my dad would cook for him and all the guides lived in this little we called it the mouse mahal i mean it was just a little rundown shack I'm kind of an addictive person if i ever get on drugs i feel like it's over <laughs> So basically what we'll do, Holt, is I'll I'll just kind of go and we'll just kind of start talking. And then if there's anything that you don't want to talk about or that we hit, it's like, all right, let's stay away from that. We'll just edit it out. Just let me know. Get it up. Um, all right. We'll get started here then. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, got a good one this week. Uh, got Holt Blackwood on the line with us. And uh, Ira's going to join us here in a bit. But Holt, uh, he's down in Arkansas right now at a really badass farm. I've had the the chance to be on a couple times. And uh Holt, how you doing? Joe, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. We are, uh, like you said, down here in Arkansas. Uh, it's a beautiful day here on the farm. Man, we had uh, some storm system roll through. I know y'all probably had some storms. A little front rolled through, and the front's on us. It's blue skies, sunny. Um, man, it, it's a nice day down here. You can't beat it. That's the days you wish you had every day in the duck blind. I tell you what, I tell you what, and this year we didn't have it. I know, Joe, we kind of talked about that uh, a little earlier, uh, but man, these are absolutely windy and bluebird. I love it. Um, are there any ducks around right now, Holt, or no? Yeah, we, uh, there's quite a few around. Uh, we were picking decoys, started picking earlier this week, and Joe, we probably had 10,000 green wing teal on our reservoir. I mean, I, I, I kid you not. Uh, just a huge push of green wings. Um, there's definitely mallards around, uh, you know, gab walls. Uh, most everything's paired up and, and kind of feeding hard right now from what I can see. We just got a lot of sheet water rain last 24 hours. So, uh, you know, what water they can find in rice fields or fields, they're kind of nibbling, uh, look like this morning. Sure. I, uh, you know, on this podcast, guys, as you know, we try to hit on people that, you know, either – folks that have put together companies or, or properties or have taken a chance at business and uh, or manage properties or have some sort of insight into the stuff that we're interested in, which is hunting, business, entrepreneurship, taking chances, and just doing overall cool shit outdoors. So, you know, I thought about Holt. I was scrolling through social media one day. I'm like, you know, I'm going to hit him up because he fits and, and checks the box on a lot of those criteria. He's a business owner. He also manages property and a property for um, a company that he would, you know, that he works for. And, uh, and he's done a lot of cool things along the way. He's been a lot of places and seen some really insane things uh, in the waterfowl world, as far as properties. And I'm sure he's got stories that, you know, that would far exceed the time limit of, of whatever we put on this podcast, but, but whole, let's kind of start backwards just a little bit. Uh, well, actually, no, let's, let's start at the beginning. Let's start when you kind of got into the waterfowl industry and and just start there and just go kind of into and I'll ask some questions along the way, but kind of let's start at the beginning of when you first got started in this and let's kind of work our way to where we're at right now. All right, Joe, let's uh let's go back to my college years. Um I went to Auburn. I've got a forestry degree and a wildlife science degree. Um I kind of knew uh back in college that I wanted to be a land manager. I uh, didn't really want to go the state route nor the federal route. I wanted to find the private guy, um, you know, manage some privately owned property. Um, by the just good luck and grace of God, I, I found, uh, caught wind of somebody that was building a very nice lodge in Arkansas. 
um, inquired, uh, sent, sent a resume, said, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm in school for this, blah, blah, blah. And um, lo and behold, they invited me out to guide. Uh, got to meet the owner. Um, helped him guide for, oh, I think two years there in college. And then when I graduated, I was offered a uh, assistant manager job of the place. Um, it was a privately owned farm. Um, I know that uh, uh, Ira has been there. He's seen it. He can testify to uh, just exactly what it was and the magnitude. Um, you know, for somebody coming right out of college and jumping into and so, something so big, it was, uh, man, I learned real quick. Um, at, at that farm, we ran things at a certain level, um, very high intensity, high intensity management. Um, you know, our owner would come in, he could be there within 45 minutes. Um, you know, when you got a jet plane, you can go places pretty quick. So we always had to be on uh, standby, if you would. Um, and it kept us running at a certain level. Um, you know, I look back and I'm thankful for all the <laughs> trials and tribulations we had out there because it, you know, definitely helped me um, stay in the game, um, made me a better manager, um, made me a better um you know, uh, hunter, uh, guide, uh, jack of all trades, if you would. Um, I was out there for about eight and a half years, Joe. Um, this, and this I was, had this Daniel Duke. This was in Arkansas. It was in Arkansas. It was in, south in, of Brinkley. Okay, uh, I don't. Was, I didn't think I ever said. I didn't. I didn't ever clarify that. But um, yeah, this was in. This is in duck country. And when I, you know, we were down there working at Max Fall Fest, and I was helping. Greg Schran, the guy we were with, I was helping him with something. And I know Ira and John Kopeck and those guys from the Momarsh booth went over there and I missed out. Yep. Ira was talking like you got, you got high end premium next level stuff. And then you've got this, which is almost standing on its tiptoes on top of that mountain. He said it was insane the way it was set up and the um, just the accommodations and the experience type thing of that lodge. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, it was kind of built ahead of its time essentially because uh, there was nothing that could compare to how we, how that owner had it laid out. You know, the, the lodge itself was uh, beyond five star. Um, the, the, the boot room, the way that we kept our equipment uh, clean, uh, organized, it just, um, like I said, it, it shaped me in so many ways. Um, you know, working there, it was almost like, you know, army you know everything has to be on this 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 and and it shaped us and uh you know looking back i had daniel duke was my assistant manager um look where daniel is he's down there at five oaks you know him and jody permit to run on the show he's jody's right hand man um uh it, it was we kept it i had a saying and it, and it stuck it was called the wow factor when when a guest or my owner came on property when that gate opened it was like wow look at this and then when they left they said, wow. Um, and it, it took a lot. It, it, it took a team. Um, I just was blessed with a great team. Um, Daniel Duke uh, had a full-time right-hand man. Uh, Clint, uh, full-time maid. I mean, I couldn't do it all. I, I leaned on everybody. and um, Man, it was a lot of fun. Uh, eight and a half years. Um, but I was told uh, back when I was in college by a plantation manager in South Carolina, uh, uh, went up there to visit some family, had some connections with some plant, big time plantation managers and went to lunch with a guy one day. And, and I told him, hey, man, I want to do what you do. And uh, he said, well, let me just tell you something. It's all glamorous, but you're one heart attack, divorce or bankruptcy away from losing it. 
if you get dealing with these high end guys, you know, that's just how it is. It's a, it may be a job to me, but it's a luxury item uh, to them. Luxury items come and go. Um, he told me that and it stuck. Well, eight and a half years into managing my dream job. Um, hey, I get a phone call overnight. We don't have a job anymore. Um, bankruptcy. Um, How was, I mean, did so you, it ended literally did overnight. Have, did you have any indication that that was coming? Holt? I mean, or was it just like, hey, everything's going good. Headed home for the night. You get a call and hey, man, uh, goodbye. Uh, we were, it was in July. We were, we had duck food. I had, uh, huge tabs at the co-op. I mean, we were, we were ginning. Uh, it was going to be our best year duck food wise. Uh, I mean, Hey, put up our tools for the day, uh, wash your hands and go home. And, uh, yeah, I got a phone call from a, from a lawyer that said, Hey, uh, um, sorry to inform you, but you don't have a job anymore and, uh, neither do any of your, you know, coworkers. Um, you know, you, you, you learn real quick uh, when you don't have a job and you got bills coming, uh, you know, bills you got to pay, um, you make ends meet. And thankfully, um, after that was all said and done, we all, my, my whole crew got, you know, moved on to bigger and better, greener pastures, essentially. Um, but we all learn, you know, uh, hey, guess what? We're not going to let that happen to us again. Um, it was a fun time. I learned a lot. I got to rub elbows with a lot of uh really interesting people, industry leaders, uh, you know, sitting there with Daniel Duke in the duck blind. Um, man, I learned more about duck calling um, from him um, and just watching the way that he worked ducks. And, you know, I, mean, I think Daniel's about half duck, honestly. Um, and, and like I said, I just, it, it was a, I just rolled out of college thinking that, you know, I got a little knowledge. I didn't know half of what I know now till I spent those eight and a half years there just grinding. Um, and very thankful for it. Uh, so, no doubt. So when that, when that happens, you know, from a young guy's, you know, perspective. So what do you, obviously you're taking a little bit of back by that, you know, you you come out, you get a degree, you get the job, you, you know, you're hoping in your mind, you're probably going to be there for a long time. And you know, that happens. What's your, what's your next, when you go to pivot from that, what's your next step? I mean, where did you, where did you go? Okay. Well, let me ask you this question. First, what happened to that farm now? Is it still a duck hunting property? So it is, uh, I believe it has sold twice since uh, I was the last manager there. Um, I, I, I hope it's still uh, in as glorious uh, standings as it was when I left. Um, I don't know. I, I, I Oh, you know, and it's funny. Um, when I started out there, Daniel and I always laughed about this. We called it a frog pond, um, a gar hole. I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it wasn't the greatest. But it's amazing what you can do if you're in the right spot um, with some money and a little bit of knowledge. We turned that farm into an amazing place. Uh, we really pushed moist soil. It was at a time when not many people were even – you said moist soil and nobody knew what we were talking about. Um, we took a lot out of production um, and put in moist soil. And, you know, within two years of having some major moist soil, um, man, we were, we were shooting them from day one to, to day 60. Um, and it was just, it was good. I mean, you spend eight and a half years on something, you can polish it pretty shiny. You know what I mean? Ira, what's up? I'm just wondering why Holtz hadn't spent eight and a half minutes on his beard. It's it's still as bushy as it was last time. I saw. Uh, what's we were, up, Ira? 
Long time no see, buddy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We were just talking. Uh, hey, I ran with some of your comrades uh, this duck season. Oh, uh, Brooke Richard and Bo Brooke came down here and hung out with me for a little bit. Yeah, and Clay. I mean, yeah. I know. Clay, they wanted me yeah. to come down. Just do it, man. Had too much going on. I understand. He was Family obligations, as my kids he was understood. Probably, I know he was all probably about it. Too busy duck hunting somewhere else. Holt. He double booked on a buck on a duck trip. Uh, yeah. So we, we were just talking, Ira, about when you went to that. We we were kind of going through Holt's story a little bit, and we were talking about when he was at Delta Duck Farm. Is that right? What that was called? Yes. We were yes, talking correct. about when he was there and how he was there, and it was just a top shelf place. We talked about you going out there, you and John Kopeck, maybe Lindsay, and some others going out there when we were down there at Max, and then. uh how it just kind of one day just folded. And um, so we were kind of, you know, Holt was saying that he had talked with a guy when he was in college plantation manager that said, you know, with these big luxury farms, you're a divorce, a heart attack or a bankruptcy away from something happening. And, and that came yeah. true. For Holt. Don't say that again. I don't have a luxury farm, but I don't ever want to lose <laughs> it either. Yeah. That place, man, that lodge there. That was just unbelievable. I I don't know that I've ever seen a fancier lodge than that. I just it was nice. It took a labor of love to keep that thing up. I mean, it was a a year round three man crew. Um, you know, y'all saw it in the winter time, but come up there in June and July when the mosquitoes going to carry you off. You know, and uh, it was a labor of love, but um, it was cool, no doubt. Hmm. So Holt, yeah. like, let me, okay. So we hit the point where you're like, all right, you get the phone call. I don't have a job any longer and I've got bills to pay. What's your initial pivot or step from, from that position after you kind of caught your breath and gathered your, gathered yourself, what did you do next? Well, word kind of got out, uh, you know, Hey, this place has gone under. Um, I now am looking for a job. Daniel's now looking for a job. Um, uh, he five oaks picked him up pretty quick, and I ended up working for a nonprofit called Darby's Warrior Support, and um, I ran with them for about a year. Uh, really cool operation. They take uh, active duty uh, Rangers, Navy SEALs, Special Force guys, um, and encourage them bringing their their kids, um, spend a little quality time, you know, in the field with them. So I did that for a year. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Kind of kept me in the game. Um, and then in the um, stuff with those guys. You did. They Ira? were a good, good crew. Yeah, yeah. They they uh, contacted us back when they were you know early and asked for you know some help. Uh, and uh, but yeah, it seemed like a seemed like a real cool deal. I know that we, I know that we had several conversations with them, and I'm ninety percent sure that we we helped them where we could. They were a good crew, good, Sorry, good crew not. to work for. Uh, it was a, a absolute honor to take take those guys hunting and, and giving them a little rest and relaxation and, and spending it, you know, watching them spend some time with their kids. So it was a very good, uh, very good time spent and on my resume, but uh, it, it, good operation all the way around. So after that, what was after that year? After that year, uh, that was kind of when I started scratching my head. 
Joe, I was like, you know, I've, I've just got dropped, you know, caught my pants down essentially, and I don't have anything to fall back on. Um, and I said, you know, I've been guiding for other people for, you know, almost 10 years now up here. Let me start my own operation. Um, and that really came from all my good friends and everybody would call me and say, hey, man, take me hunting. I want to go hunting. I want to pay to go hunting. I was like, well, I can't. I'm managing somebody else's. You know, it's not my ground, blah, blah, blah. And I kept on passing you know, clients, friends of mine to other people. And um, I just kept on, hey, go home with these guys, go home with these guys. And one day it just dawned on me, I was like, why don't I just start my own? You know, I've already got my clientele. Um, and that's how I created Briar Patch. And um, I think this was our fifth year at Briar Patch. Um, I run that out of Brinkley. Um, man, we are a blue collar duck camp. Um, Small groups, our, our bread and butter, father and sons, uh, father and daughters, you know, just uh, we keep it small scale. Um, people tend to like that, and, and uh, we have a lot of fun. So Briar Patch, the way I've always understood it, yeah, Briar Patch is that where it's like, hey, man, I want to be in a good area, do some good hunting. I want it to be like a like a duck camp feel, like we roll into duck camp, and it's something that – it's something that you can envision on your own property. I mean, it's something that you feel at home when you go there because it's a blue collar family oriented, just kind of a fun place to to hang out by the fire. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, uh, you know, one thing that I've, I've always heard, you know, from, from clients is, man, I, I just, I want to go and it be a small, small group. You know, I don't want to go and there'd be 15 people. Um, and so I kind of think that's a niche that, that we feel, um, you know, we keep it small, um, small group hunting and, um, yeah, people really enjoy it. Um, you know, when you roll into Briar Patch, uh, we've got two fires going and, and you just feel the, it just feels like a duck camp, you know, and, and people really do, uh, enjoy that. Man, you know, a lot so of people, you guys down that you hunt on over there, Holt, or yeah, you guys I, yeah. don't? We lease our, uh, we lease you know, down around the Cash River, um, you know, uh, down around the White. Um, got some stuff east, you know. I, I like to keep my stuff kind of spread out um, out here just because sometimes, you know, that the cash may be low. I mean, we've dealt with that several years, and the ducks may be, you know, using some other um, little drainage. Uh, but, yeah, I lease everything. How, how's that go, uh, hold? I mean, I, you know, I know how it is up here. Um, I was actually kind of talking with somebody the other day and I said, you know, uh, we're talking about the opportunity to hunt in different places and the opportunity to get on ground. You might have more of an opportunity to get on things in Arkansas with more flooded acres, but, but I'm sure you've seen just cause you can get on it doesn't mean it's worth a damn, you know? So how, how tough is it if a guy, you know, like if you were looking for to add, to add a field to Briar Patch or if you were searching for a place in your neck of the woods where you hunt, how competitive and how tough is it to find a lease in that area? Well, I mean, it, it all obviously is driven around the almighty dollar. Um, what I find is uh, I pick up a lot of ground from guys that pay maybe a lot more than I can even afford, but the farmers are tired of dealing with them. You know, hey, don't drive down this road in your, with your pickup trucks. Well, you do it one time, that farmer's pissed, and you're probably about to lose that lease. And, you know, one thing that's helped me is I, I'm not from here, but I live here. They know me. I'm here year-round. Um, and, you know, 
hey, all you have to do is tell me one time, don't drive down it, and I'm not about to drive down it. And I pick up a lot of ground just because farmers are tired of it, you know. Um, it's tough. I mean, you know, everything's – lease prices have just – I've watched it just go up every year. It's, it seems like it's going up, going up. And then on top of that, you have a dry year like we started out this year. And, well, guess what? Diesel fuel ain't coming down, you know. And um, it just depends, you know, locations where you want to be, um, obviously. You want to be close to a, a flyway. But what a lot of people don't understand out here is these ducks, as, as you know, January gets here, uh, they start spreading out. And you can have some stuff that might kind of be off the early season flyway that might be really good, but it's it's late season um, type type lease um, is what I consider it. I and mean, I got some leases I won't go to till January. Um, it's not worth it in December because they're not there. Um, Robert Eason. Go ahead. Robert Eason was on here last and he said his farm at Holly Grove, he said it's not worth hunting in the month of December and during January you can get them almost every day. And that's just, you know, to me, it's yeah, just like, it, damn, that's interesting. Well, and a lot of that just kind of, just kind of, there, there, there's a lot of things that you know attribute to that. It's you know what what's the water on the on the on the white? Is it in the woods? Where, where is it? You know, where is that flood water? Is it up north? Uh, is the cash flooded out? Um, you know, are, are the ducks down there uh, eating out so and so's farm? Well, guess what? Come January, they they got to find more food. So you know, it kind of depends. Location's huge on that. Um, you know, hey, where's all the rice this year? Uh, is there a lot of rice on the east side of the river uh or is it all on the west side you know they're around stuttgart um you know every year it kind of it, it changes every year obviously um but yeah there are definitely some places where you're not gonna shoot a duck till january or vice versa you know early season spots you know i'm sitting here listening to what you're saying and joe will agree with this i'm sure but different state same story you know i have guys that'll call me and I, i'm sure joe does too and they'll be like hey you know, we're looking for uh, a good piece of property up there. If you hear something, let us know. Um, we want to spend money, and it's just hard to get a foot in the door on the lease side or the purchase side. And I would go a step further and say, in Missouri, it's almost impossible, at least where we are, because if there's something that's worth a darn, somebody that already is right there with their finger on the pulse of what's going on on the real estate side and what's good and what's not and what's possible and what's not. No one will ever hear about it. Not, not only just the local guys that, that may not have their finger on the pulse quite as much, but you know, somebody that's remote, man, I mean, it's, it's just not going to happen. I mean, if something's for sale and it's worth a darn, it'll probably never hit the market. Like it'll just be, a local transaction that happens and no one even ever knew that it was that it happened until they see the name change on the on the deed or on X or whatever. Wouldn't you agree that that there's some of that where we are, Joe? Anything that I've ever got bought's been been uh just beating the bushes because you know it's anything that you know, we saw that with that with that Bosworth tract. I mean as soon as it as soon as the farm came on the market and we all knew it was a pretty good spot and it was a deal where it was a club and you know, I don't know how they had it in their bylaws, but I, I'm assuming it was like, hey, if so many people vote, then we take it to auction or take it to to sale. And so it did hit the market just because I know there were some members trying to buy it, but you know, they wanted as much money as they could get out of it. And I mean, it went on the market, if I remember right, for a certain price. 
And by the end of the day, they're like, all right, hold on. We're getting enough offers. We're going to have to reevaluate this price. So uh, let, let me go ahead and pull back. And they put it on the market, if I remember right, for 800 and some thousand or said they would take 800 and some thousand. And, and the gentleman that I knew about had it bought, like agreed to it. They got a, such an influx of calls once it hit the market. They were like, uh, sorry, guys, we're going to have to reevaluate this. We had no idea. And it ended up selling for um, one, 1 1.1 or 1 1.2, something like that. And it was just like, call after call after call after call after call after call. And the, the real estate agent was just telling me, he was like, man, it was the most insane thing you've ever seen. And so, and that was just the one time that I know of a spot that, that I can think of that like an insane spot came, a great location came up and, and wasn't a private deal. And it, it literally, the price just got, I mean, Ira, you knew people that were interested and so did I, and they made really reasonable offers on it. And it just, the price just took off on a roller coaster, you know, just couldn't, couldn't control it. Yeah, but for that one, there's probably been, you know, at least five either immediately before that or since then that sold that never were anything that the public had any idea about. You know, it was just, okay, I'll take this much money, okay, I'll pay you this much money, and it was a done deal. So, you know, if you look at the inventory, there just is none. And, you know, the other thing that's weird, and we talked about it before, but so different from here and there is that, we just don't have much leasing that happens around here. Wouldn't you agree, Joe? Yeah, we, we don't have hardly any leasing. And and if, you know, somebody that does, I know Ira and them just put in a new development, a really badass place, really badass place. And like those folks, you know, had leased it before. Um, there's the people that had leased it. But, you know, one thing, Holt, that I think is different in Arkansas than is up here on the leasing. And the reason there isn't very much leasing up here is because, there's so many farms without the capacity to get water on, you know, um, all of our, all of our agriculture centered, centered around keeping water off of a property. So the, there's no way to get water on the place. Even the good spots and good areas don't kill much a lot of times, because I know that the last lease that I had and Iro was part of it. I literally fooled around with that thing, trying to get it pumped and get water on it and jack around with the food. I mean, it was so, terrible as far as the way it was set up to get water on it and we killed quite a few ducks there um but but it was just it's not it's not conducive to leasing because you know the average guy wants to get a lease and know he's going to have water know he can hunt and up here there's just very few places none that are available that you know you're going to be able to to actually have an opportunity to hunt which is just sounds crazy but that you would get a lease and literally have no capacity to get water on it unless there was a flood but that's how anything that's available up here is now I, I'm thinking around. I just don't know very many leases because usually anybody with enough money to pay what it would cost to lease just gives them some sort of outlandish price to, you know, to buy. We just don't have, I was talking with Ira's brother about this the other night. I, we disagreed about a couple of things on it, but I was saying, you know, up here in duck country, there's, you know, it's confined to the refuge systems and the river systems. You know, the good hunting is, is confined and, and predicated upon the refuges and the huge private tracks. You know, in Arkansas, all the time that I've spent hunting down there, there's just a lot more natural traffic and ducks out trying to find food and, you know, following the river levels. We just don't have it here. Like Iris Farm will have ducks all all year long. And, you know, they they just they just behave differently here. So it's just there's not near as much opportunity. And, you know, that's why Arkansas leads the nation and, you know, mallard numbers and harvest numbers. But it is just a different world. It's crazy. Right, right. And, you know, you touched on a good note there. Um, water. I mean, to be able to control your water down here is, a, is the first thing. You got to be able to get your water on and then you got to be able to get your water off. 
Um, and, you know, we're lucky enough about every ag field down here in this part of the world, it's got a well uh, or a tailwater, you know, system. Um, so we were definitely lucky on that. And, and hey, we fight, you know, a flood down here kills us just as much as a drought, you know, um, that cash river and that white river will get out and this place becomes a, a huge lake, um, spreads our ducks out, uh, whatever. But then on a droughty year, like this year, we started out kind of droughty down here. Um, if you had water, you had ducks and you had some really good shooting, uh, there for, at least we did, um, early season. Um, a lot of people were, you know, crossing their fingers, waiting on that, that first big rain. Um, and we managed our water levels, right knowing that we were going into a drought and man, we had some fine shooting that uh, first 10 days of November. I, you know, Holt, have you spent much time? I know you've been on, you know, private farms most of the time, but have you done the running the river, running the refuge game? Have you done much of that or have you been fortunate enough not to have to? Oh, no, I've, I've done my fair share of uh, hunting the public. Um, you know, when, when Daniel and I were at uh, Duff Duck Farms, um, our boss would only come in for the weekends. So we typically had Tuesday through Thursday to uh, go play, do whatever we wanted to do. And um, so he taught me a lot uh, about hunting the white and the cash. Um, and then years after that, I had another uh, assistant manager that grew up hunting uh, the white. Um, and so I've, I've, I've done my fair share of hunting down there. Um, I don't do the the crazy boat racing and any of that, but if that water gets right uh, down there on, on on the White River, um, or even up on the Cache, yeah. Um, if I got a day off and it's a a bluebird day and, and there's some ducks in the area, um, you might find me up there. So, so Briar Patch to to kind of bring it back in because I know I kind of got off on the on the hunting topic, but so you you start up Briar Patch whenever you realize that hey man. Um, too much of my livelihood and what I got going on is, is in other people's hands. I want to have something to have a backbone to what you were doing and something with a little longevity. So you start Briar Patch. I know you did a lot of work there, but, but now if I understand correct, Briar Patch is, is running and you've actually got another guy that helps you there and, and you guys work on that together, but you also, and what I want to get to, you also have another position as well. Tell us a little bit about, about that. Yeah, so uh, touch on Briar Patch. I've got a guy. He's my manager, Clint Hood. Um, he he runs the show down there. Um, I pop in and, and help when needed. But uh, my current position is uh, I'm the manager of 5052 Farms. Um, it's owned by uh, the Herndon family and Express Boats. Um, so we cater to uh, Express Boat clientele uh, and Veranda Pontoon Boat. Uh, Express owns Veranda. Um, so we cater to their clientele, um, take their employees. Um, and it was a great year. First year um, getting to hunt with these guys, uh, get to know Rory, the owner. Um, and man, it was, you know, we got a saying in the manager's world, uh, be careful of setting that bar too high right off the bat because that's, that's the benchmark, you know, you're going to be running at. And, uh, man, we had a great year. I think we set the bar real high. Um, everybody, my team, and, and it was just a great first year with new ownership out here on this farm. So 50, 52 farms, whenever I was down there, what what kind of struck me about that farm is its uniqueness and its um, 
you know, a lot, it seems like a lot of farms down there in that part of the world. And I could be completely wrong, but you've got farms that are primarily timber. You've got farms that are, you know, primarily field hunting. Um, the thing that was cool about 5052 was the diversity of not only you've got some woods and brush type stuff, you've got some field stuff, you've got deer hunting, you've got fishing. The, the, coolest part about that whole property and the most unique part was that gigantic reservoir there just kind of tell us a little bit about that and the hunting on that well let me just start on on when i first got out here um to this farm it was called paradise sporting club and um when i got hired as the manager uh the the uh goal was to be a high-end commercial um hunting operation um and we ran for three years, three seasons. Um, and then the farm within a year, uh, within this previous year, was sold uh, to the Express uh, family. Um, so now we're, we're not commercial like we were. So about the farm, the farm's 1,600 acres. Um, we've got about 150 uh, acre reservoir that sits kind of right in the middle. It's kind of the heart of the property. Um, you're right, Joe. This is, I've never been on a property in, in Arkansas that was as diverse um, as this property. Um, you know, I've got my zero grade uh, rice uh, fields. Um, uh, I've got uh, about, you know, 200 plus or minus acres of, of floatable uh, woods. Um, I've got some rolling pine ground. Um, I mean, you would think you were uh, in Alabama or, or, or something driving across this property. Um, and then we've got uh uh, some buck brush areas. Um, the lake is my, my bread and butter. Um, it's incredible. The number of ducks that key in on the lake, uh, roost on the lake, um, early season when you're starting to get your first migrators, um, man, they see this lake and, and, and they'll drop out of the stratosphere, um, essentially to come in get them a drink, take them a rest. Um, and that's kind of our, our, our heartbeat out here is this, this lake. Um, it's a natural shaped lake. A lot of these reservoirs in this part of the world are, are round or square. Um, this lake's got a lot of natural uh, coves and pockets. And, and I think that helps, uh, you know, the, the ducks just feel safe. Um, and it's, it's where we kill about 90% of our ducks. Um, honestly, it's uh, I've got a big 30 foot blind um, built down on the South end of it. Uh, we set a big, big spread leave it out all year um and it's just it, it's it's hard not go down there every morning man uh, especially if you get a good wind because you can you can make some magic happen uh down there but it's all you know we break a lot of ducks um i'd say 75 percent of the ducks if not higher or higher percentage are, are ducks that we're breaking um they're traveling ducks we're just kind of down there um uh, under a flyway um it's just interesting how they they just key in. Uh, they they may not be coming to the lake, but they they they'll key in and, and give you a pass, or at least kind of look at it. And um, uh, we we we've noticed that, and uh, we kind of capitalize on on, on that, and uh, we shoot a lot of a lot of ducks out here on it. So, Ira, to kind of, I mean, obviously you know what the acres mean, but just picture rolling into this farm, and I. Whenever I showed up, it was one of the, you know, the farm was, was for sale and I was doing the marketing work on it for Ben Wellens, a real estate agent that I've been fortunate enough to do a little work with. And we're driving down the way and 
I'm like, all right, cool. You know? And like you said, Holt, there's, it's, it's like part of the farm is like almost like a Delta pine plantation, like a little bit of it, like, man, this looks like a deer hunting spot, you know, like th- real thick. And and so we're kind of weaving through there and we got to where the lake was and it's like Lake Nehe, Ira, out just on somebody's farms. Like what in the hell? I mean, this is a huge lake. I mean, it just, it's not something that you, t- I mean, there's lakes a lot smaller that people do a lot of recreation on that, you know, that would do boating and jet skiing and stuff like that. Like, and then it's got trees in it. It's like one of the most natural big lakes. And I just saw it when, when I was there, my first comment was like, man, there ain't many of these around. That has to be a distinguishing factor, you know, for this property for ducks, just because it's so unique. Well, it's, um, it's amazing. I mean, it's an absolute natural treasure essentially for this property. Um, uh, but what I've, what I've really seen this year that was kind of cool is um, this is the first year we had about 175 acres of rice uh, on our zero grades. Um, and, and with this year, what I saw is the ducks would go feed it in our rice. Um, and then when they want to come over and get a drink, they'd come to the reservoir. And I watched it, and it wasn't so much ducks that we were actually shooting at, calling at. Um, it was just ducks in the area. Um, they use it as a big watering hole. Um, you know, especially on a full moon, uh, when those ducks are feeding all night long and they're sitting on that rice field till you know, 8, 9 o'clock, um, you want to be down here sitting with me about 10 because they're coming to get them a drink. And um, it's just amazing uh, how many ducks from – from all different directions, um, out of the South, um, out of the East, which is, you know, interesting to me. Um, it, it's just a major draw, just a major attractant, uh, in this area. So, so, but you don't take any pay clients here. This isn't like a for pay. Nope. Not anymore. It's a, it's a private, uh, farm now. Um, we ran pay hunters out here for three years. Um, like I said, with the previous owner, but, uh, we're um, just exclusive uh, for the company, entertaining clients and and family and, and friends for the company. So Ira, I was talking to Holt the other day, and we were talking about how uh, how he started hunting this lake, and he was hunting it from the bank, and for whatever reason, they were shooting the shit out of ducks, but the mallards just weren't working it like what he or you or I would would want. And so, you know. Instead of just, you know, I've been with multiple people that's like, oh, you know, we just don't kill mallards very good here, you know, for whatever reason, or we don't, that this doesn't work or that doesn't work. But, you know, you're killing enough ducks that you, you kind of string it along, but they moved out to a different location. I'm just thinking about your farm, Ira, and how much difference a location within a property can make on, on killing ducks. You know, I'm thinking about like over on that east side of pool one where you like to hunt at how, you know, you can be out in the middle of the pool and, and struggle with them and go over there and just be right. For instance, where they want to be. I, I just think that's interesting within a property. I know you've got experience with that too. Well, I mean, you think about the big cutoff lakes, like, you know, a lot about Dalton. I know a lot about sunshine, you know, the mallards, the big mallard killing blinds were the ones that were right in the very center of that thing. And it is ugly and, and, unmallard looking as it was that is where they wanted to be and uh you know i think when it comes to reservoir hunting like that a lot of times those ducks want that safety out there and then there's other places where they kind of prefer a little out of the way spot so i don't know that you can paint with a broad brush and say they always want the middle or they always want a secluded spot uh you just got to be a good observer of what's happening 
on your particular piece of property and then uh, figure out how you're going to shoot them where they live, which of course we've made, made, uh, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of successful products and all that stuff doing that. And sometimes the most successful products, a 30 foot stake bond that looks like somebody's mobile home and, uh, they just don't pay any attention to it. So. It's well, I'll, I'll add on that, Ira. Uh, one thing that I noticed is um, when we were hunting, man, you weren't getting any sun on your decoys till a little bit later, so to say. And uh, I'm proud to say that we've been running the Higdon battleships this year. Um, locked head, foam-filled, incredible decoy. Um, I've learned that being out a little bit more, I'm catching sun a little bit e earlier in the morning. Um, yeah. this, this lake's kind of got a, a ridge on your east side. And, and of course there's a pine plantation back there. So it takes a little bit for that sun to break through. I've got to get a little bit higher in the sky. And, um, seriously, one thing I've learned and it's like clockwork when that first green head, and I always put stage my decoys where I know which one's fixing to hit sun first. You hunt in the same spot every morning. You can, you know, figure that out pretty easily. Um, yeah, when that sun hits those, those green heads and they can see them, it's game over. Um, that was one thing we didn't have when we were hunting from the bank over there. You know, we were just in the in the shade for so long. Um, but y'all know, being on the X, being up underneath them is where you got to be, you know, to be consistent um, day in and day out. Well, traffic, man, that makes such a difference. Ira, you could say on, on heaven. I mean, hold, at his heaven hole, those ducks will be flying over at literally treetops. Like, I mean – you feel like you might screw around and maybe if you shot, kill one at times, you know, like they're just, they're not very high, but you would think there's no way they can't see me or there's no way they can't hear me or whatever. But for whatever reason, that sun hitting those decoys and that light getting up just a little bit is, is literally for back, lack of better terms, like a light switch sometimes. So I got two well, things to say there. One and Holt, you probably see the same thing, but Joe talking about heaven, you know, you'll get a bunch or two early before that sun kind of gets to where you're in the sh the hard shadow. And so they see things a little differently early and then you'll have a lull for an hour, hour and a half, and then things pick up and get good. And then one more thing on the sun is you were talking about the east side of pool one. You know, I never hunt that in the morning because you're in the shadows there. And I've just never done very good there in the mornings, but, you know, mid, mid afternoon, mid morning, once that sun's on there, then your chances of, of getting those ducks is way, way higher. And there's a reason that I don't hunt it in the mornings because I just have not done well there in that shadow. You know, the ducks can't see you. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, when I go out to my big blind, um, I tell everybody, you know, uh, right after my gun speech, I give everybody a gun speech once we get in the blind and, uh, Say, guys, just relax. Watch the show. Um, it's going to be 10, 15 minutes before after shooting time, typically, um, till we can even see, till the ducks can even see. Um, uh, you know, and, and on that note, we're kind of even in a hole where that blind is. And even if you got a duck right in front of you, you can't, you can't figure out what it is and, and you can't make a clean shot on it. Um, but, you know, once we get some sun on those decoys, it's, it's game changer. It's like somebody hit the switch. Um, and then you're right, Ira. All my blinds, morning blinds, are typically uh, the sun's at our back. If I can make that happen, you know, east is on our back. Um, we're sitting there in the 
in the shadows. Uh, but before that sun gets up, yeah, it's they can see definitely uh, better than they can once that until that sun gets them in the eyes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel like, well, okay, so Holt, do you do, do you have a cutoff time on your farm uh, hunting wise? Well, you know, obviously the earlier, uh, the better, um, you know, hunting this reservoir, it's kind of a funny thing, man. Um, back on these ducks, wanting to get a drink. 75% of our ducks we kill, mallards are filled, their crawls are filled to the brim with rice. They're sitting in a field feeding until they decide they need a drink or somebody kicks them up. So, you know, some of my better mallard shoots are at nine, you know, nine thirty, pushing ten. Um, I try to get out of there, you know, I do not like staying out there. Um, you're just educating. Uh if you can't kill them early, then go home and think about it and come back the next morning, you know. But uh just due to this reservoir and just due to the 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 ducks typical pattern um we shoot pretty much our green heads between 9 and 10 30 um and then usually if i got some shooters uh we clean up real quick and, and we're out of there what what are you what are you looking at for um what are you looking at for uh um your uh like with 50 52 what are you looking at for the future of that what plans do you have as a manager going forward on that well, we, you know, like with any and every farm, um, I'm sure Ira could uh, testify to this. There's always projects, you know, just when you thought you were called up, Mother Nature's going to throw you a curveball. Um, we've got some infrastructure, uh, road, uh, drainage uh, projects um, planned for this spring whenever we dry out. Um, I've got a lot of habitat management. Um, I've got a lot of mulching, uh, trying to uh, get back to some moist soil, early successional type habitat on the farm. Um, I've got a great farmer this year. Um, I've had him for last couple of years, but uh, he's he's got fire under his tail and he's wanting to get a good early rice crop in uh, on me, which it makes me tickled. Um, uh, just typical farm work, Joe. I mean, every day is different, and I think that's what kind of keeps me hooked. But uh, like I said, just when you think you got everything dialed in, Mother Nature's gonna throw you a curveball or, uh, you know, something. So, I, I have a question. You guys both know this, but I, I don't really know. I have an idea, but no one else would know. Where, where is the club? Like from Little Rock, because I don't think it's in the traditional center of the state uh, prairie that everybody thinks of. So, we tell us a little about that. Yeah, absolutely. Our, uh, we are by the crow flies about three miles north of the town of Carlisle. Um, Carlisle is right there on Interstate 40. Uh, we are about 25 minutes east of Little Rock. Um, and you're right, we're not we're not down there in the, in the typical uh, Stuttgart, south of 40 uh, area. Um, we're, we're right up here on the edge of uh, rice country and, and cow country. I mean, it starts anything north of them, it kind of starts getting a little rolling hill. That's why uh, the terrain on this farm has, has got some rolling, uh, rolling topography to it. Um, we drain, all my water drains into Wattensaw Bio. That's to my east. Wattensaw drains into the white. Um, but we are north of uh, what you might consider uh, duck country, so to say. Um, 
it's funny because uh, just due south of us, uh, you down in the G Ridge area, um, Humming Oak area, um, on a good south wind on like a Saturday when all those clubs are down there beating and banging, uh, we pick up a lot of ducks coming out of south, um, shoot a lot of traveling ducks coming out of south from uh, from all those big historic uh, leases and clubs down there um, kind of south of, of the Carlisle area. It's and you'd be you'd be west of the real traditional areas too, right? Uh, I'm kind of sort of. I'm really, more just north of Stuttgart. You're, you're north of Pecker um, Lake, right? Whole, like you're north of like yeah, yeah, yeah. By the crow okay. flies, I mean, I'd almost say due north. Um, yeah. maybe a little west in it, but uh, we're just up here north of of, of all that, you know, Peckerwood. Uh, how close are you to Duvall's Bluff? Oh, uh, the Hazen exit on 40 is probably, man, 10, 10 minutes east of me. And then, uh, you kind of work your way down on 70 to Duvall's Bluff, but not far, t less than 20 miles, I, I, I think, uh, by the crow flies. Oh, um, Craig's, Craig's Barbecue. We are, oh yeah, Craig's Barbecue. Uh, we are west of the white river um so we're on the west side of the white um for briar patch what um how was your season at briar patch this year not not as far as you know bird numbers or whatever but just how was the was it overall a good season there holt or or how did you feel about the season i think we had a fantastic season um you know we uh we had water early on some of our leases and we capitalized on that. We shot a lot of ducks early. Um, you know, the way that I look at a, a successful season is obviously, you know, did you, did your hunters harvest ducks or geese? And we did. Um, but you know, the smiles and the pictures and, you know, when, when a guy says, man, I can't wait to bring my son back, uh, next year, uh, to me, that's success. Um, you know, and, and we had a lot of that, uh, man, I, I don't have many new clients at Briar Patch and everybody's pretty much repeat clientele. Um, and to me, that kind of, that kind of shows whether you're, you're, you're pointed in the right direction or not. Um, you know, if, if your repeats are, are you're continuing every year to book, then you're doing something right. Um, and that's how we were this year. We ended the season with people saying, Hey, put me down for next year. Can't wait to come back. Um, so it was a good year. Um, you know, also you always judge years. How much equipment did you break? Uh, we did pretty good. We, we had a few little uh, breakdowns, but nothing major. Um, and, uh, you know, we were, we were blessed uh, in, in every other attribute as well. So it was a good year. Uh, I have one other question here. It is the season. Uh, Holt, are you doing any – you chase Whitey at all? And if not, what are you hearing down there as far as if you've heard anything as far as how guys are doing this year on uh, on GBs and on success? Well, I, I am not uh, currently chasing. Uh, I've definitely had a lot of interest um, in doing some spring snow hunts. Uh, honestly, I was talking to Daniel Duke last night about this. Um, a lot of our snows have moved on. Um, not saying there's not a pile of them south of us right now. I'm sure there is, um, but I have not seen near the numbers that I saw 
you know, a week to two weeks ago. Uh, if you were paying attention to the max uh, little championship deal, uh, Snow Goose Championship, I think 138. Correct me if I'm wrong there, but it wasn't a, wasn't a huge number won it. Um, so that kind of shows that it, maybe a lot of our geese have, have headed on up y'all's way. Um, what are y'all seeing? Y'all got some? Y'all seeing some coming out of the south or what? Yeah, uh, there's several. Yesterday, I was sitting on one of my our spreads and uh, saw a nice train coming out of the south, uh, southeast, uh, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple migrator groups. And there's obviously <clears throat> plenty around the refuges. But I know I was talking to a guy today that hunted with, was hunting with John New down in uh, southeast Missouri, northern part of Arkansas there. And they acted like, you know, we just got a bunch of snow and sleet type rain shit here and they acted like there was a bunch of geese coming back from the north that kind of flew into the teeth of that deal and were like uh and kind of slid back down south and and several of the groups i saw were whooping on them early this morning yeah i heard some shooting um i was out here at the farm yesterday afternoon at 50 52 and um i heard some i heard somebody on a spread shooting but it wasn't much shooting. I heard a couple of decent volleys. Um, I never saw or heard any snows yesterday. I wasn't looking for them, but um, they have been around, um, and I I hadn't heard them. Um, you know, we've had some some crazy weather like everybody the last couple of weeks. Uh, when we had that ice storm last week, uh, there were more snows around. I mean, they were everywhere. Um, so I don't know if that kind of pushed them back up to y'all or if, if they went on – pushed on down to South Arkansas. I'm not sure what, but um, I'm sure there's going to be many more groups coming up out of the South. You know, you catch some of these South wind days and um, you know, they sometimes they're low here and then sometimes they're up in the stratosphere heading to y'all, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely been unseasonably warm and the 10 day looks like it's going to continue to be pretty warm, but you know, there's a lot of years been doing this for a long time. There's a lot of years where everything's froze solid until the end of February, the 20th, 24th and there. And this year there's lots of open water. So I'm sure we're not done with winter, but it, it's uh, unseasonably warm right now. And, and the numbers on the refuge counts are, are starting to show that we're picking a bunch of birds up. Uh, Holt, do you guys do, you know, so, so you guys do the, the duck season obviously is the focal point of 50, 52. And then kind of also touch, I mean, do you guys, or do the ownership do any other kind of hunting on the farm? We push, uh, deer hunting. Um, what's funny is this farm prior to, uh, uh me becoming manager prior to that, this farm was strictly a deer hunting club um they didn't really put much thought or energy into the duck hunting so um i do have a deer management plan going on up here um we've got some high quality nice uh, bucks there's a great history of some high quality bucks that have been harvested on this farm um so we do deer hunting um we've got some turkeys running around here um i don't really think i've got a big enough population to chase right now i'm trying to get the habitat uh, a little more turkey friendly, uh, throw some fire on the ground and, and do some, uh, you know, a little bit of early successional uh, habitat management for those guys. But uh, what, what the family, the, the, the company is planning on doing, you know, express boats, you know, they're famous for their duck boats, but man, the fishing side is, is it's not bigger than the duck hunting side. So uh, 
uh, we were planning on uh, having some trophy um, lakes, some some great fishing opportunities where uh, we can really use this farm 365 days a year um, hunting, uh, and then of course rolling into uh, fishing season. Um, along with the 150 acre lake, we've got a about a 25 acre lake, and then a, about a 20 acre lake that uh, we plan on really in intensely managing on the fishing side have a uh, have a catching lake uh, and then have uh, you know what you might consider a, a trophy uh, trophy style bass pond one if not two of those all right joe i just gotta say our podcast has gone to a new low we're talking about bass fishing now. <laughs> I, mean, geez, I mean the next thing you know we'll be talking about how to noodle or something Hold this is coming. Hold right. this is coming from somebody who has traveled across the world to shoot parakeets. Hey, I, well, yeah, I know that uh, Ira is not afraid of some crappie fishing. I mean, I'm I'm wanting the crappie pond. You know what I mean? There we we're going back up again now. Uh, <laughs> hold. I feel like I for I know you've got shit to do this afternoon, but I feel like I'd be a little remiss if I didn't ask you a kind of a question I had with your forestry background. I, I talked to several guys that that hunt at or have some knowledge of the the timber structure down in, you know, the traditional part of duck country and in all of your all's area down there. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about overcup and how that can really hurt a woods and its food value for ducks. Um, you know, can you explain a little bit about what that is and also? It can can anything be done? I was talking to Jimbo the other day, and I said, "How is such and such farm?" He said, "Man, it used to be so good." And he said, "But now they're dealing with a lot of overcut problems, and it's just not not doesn't have the acorns that the ducks really need to get in there and use as much as what they used to." Is that something that you see much of? And is there anything that can be done about that? Well, I mean, that you know, we're kind of touching on a slippery slope there, kind of uh, in some regards. But uh, the green tree management. Um, has been a huge topic uh, out here in Arkansas over the last couple of years, and I'm glad to see it. I mean, it's about time that the state, you know, comes to the table and says, hey, we, we've done some things good, we've done some things bad, and hey, we want to uh, obviously be pointed in the right direction um, for some of these green tree areas, whether they be public ground or um, private ground. Um, essentially, what you're dealing with is uh, people putting water on too early hurting your, your 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 good oaks causing the good oaks to kind of die out and then your overcups are coming in and, and filling in the spaces uh where your good oaks once were um it's a uh, you know i say slippery slope because you know you got some people that believe that they got to have water on uh in their woods halloween um you know and then you got some guys that think they got to keep their water on till you know march 15th in their woods to to imprint uh ducks if you would um you know it's all about water management when you can put your water on and take your water off of whatever it may be whether it be a rice field or your green timber or, or uh, your moist soil you're ahead of the ball game that's a lot easier than said um you know uh, the number one nemesis i have out here is a beaver you know uh you're trying to drain your woods and everything's flowing and looking good and you take your thumb off of it for two days and you go back down there and now you got a beaver dam you're gonna have to dig out or blow out with tannerite or if you're lucky enough to get a, a, a track hoe or, or some kind of uh, machine down there and dig out but you know that, 
the, the issue of the matter is, uh, you know, when, when man puts his hand uh, into a, a, a natural resource, so to say, a management uh, of a natural resource and, uh, and changes things, well, it's, it's a big circle that, that something else is going to happen. You keep water on an area too long, well, you're fixing to change the succession. Uh, you're either fixing to kill out everything, and what comes back is your, your butt brush and your willows. Um, or in the, in the overcup, uh, standpoint, you're going to start getting, um, uh, a lesser desirable, uh, oak species down there in your bottoms because it can withstand, uh, wetter ground, ground that holds water a little bit more, uh, versus your, your, your higher, um, what I call your higher topography oaks, um, that can't, they can, they can withstand a little bit of seasonal flooding. Keyword there is seasonal. And that may not be a 60 day season. That may only be a, uh, a 30 day type deal. Um, and you know, you've got, uh, you've got, uh, guys, these, these old school guys that have been hunting these places for 50 years, 60 years, and, and they believe that they got to put water on. You're not going to change their mind that, you know, uh, Halloween, they're, they're pumping their woods Halloween. Well, it's, it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but what I like, and I'm fired up about it. There's a, there's a lot of younger, whether it be younger farmers, you know, granddaddy's passed the farm down to, to daddy and now I'm, I'm in control of it. There's a lot of guys like that that are seeing, you know, the devastation in their woods. You know, we're, we're not shooting them like we used to, you know, old granddaddy's uh, oak tree that we used to stand next to. Well, it's a dead snag now. Um, and, and there's a lot of uh, talented, uh, young uh, people, owners, managers, guys that work for the states, guys that work for the feds that, that are seeing and saying, hey, let, let's try to, be proactive um, about what we've got. Let's try to, you know, at least save this resource, or at least let's be conscious about the the what what's you know. Let's educate ourselves on, on um, the state and and the health of, of a lot of these uh, bottom wood tracks. You know, whether it be a green timber track or just uh, a natural hardwood bottom in general. You know, down in Arkansas, it's it's about the duck hunting. But it's, it, you know, the, the green tree reservoirs have a lot to do with duck hunting and habitat, but it also has a lot to do with the economy and the, you know, just the, the overall mystique or whatever you want to call it of why people want to go to Arkansas, even if they're not hunting the timber, those clubs and those areas and those big public river systems and overflows are what kind of makes that area what it is. Oh, 100%. I mean, you know, the revenue stream that comes in, uh, and those 60 days of, of duck season in Arkansas is, is it's in the high million. I mean, it's got to be. And, uh, you know, every, it's a trickle down effect, you know, every club out here, every, every they need a maid, you know, they might need a cook, you know, uh, you know, tons of guys I know that, that work in the ag industry, uh, they make, they make a nice little living off of guiding, uh, working for an outfit and it's a trickle down out here, you know, uh, it is small town USA. It is still rural USA. Um, and, and a lot of these places you're either, uh, you're making a living from, from the ag side of it, um, or from the hunting side. Um, you know, yeah, if we lost, it's a natural resource, you know, we're so blessed to have the white river refuge at our back door, uh, the front uh, the cash river refuge, uh, at our front door. Uh, and it's an incredible resource. Um, you don't have to be a duck hunter. You might be a squirrel hunter. I mean, that's some of the best squirrel hunting in the world. Coon hunter, some of the best coon hunting in the world. Um, 
but it's you know if if we if we lose it uh it it'd be a detrimental to not just me not just the, the old duck guy but uh you know everybody absolutely you know talking about you know your kind of story holt and your background and your journey and your kind of breadth of knowledge it's you know, Ira and I have talked a little bit about this stuff before, but, you know, you went and got a forestry degree and um, thought you had it all, you know, thought you had a spot at a job that you, you know, like you called it your dream job. And I think the coolest part about it is, you know, when that door closed, you know, was slammed, basically, uh, you, you hear a lot of people that have to pivot and go a different direction. Like, you know, Hey, I used to really enjoy doing this, but when this happened, that forced me to go work, blah, 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 or do this and that and get out of the industry. What I think is cool is that you were able to continue it in a multifaceted kind of capacity, but it sounds to me like a lot of that, obviously your knowledge as a forester and a duck hunter had something to do with that, but it sounds like a lot of that was, was based on uh, a good reputation and good relationships. Would you say I'm correct about that? Oh, 100%. I mean, uh, you know, with it being small town USA out here, everybody knows your business. Everybody knows your last name. And, uh, you know, you, you burn one bridge out here, uh, you're done. Um, and I, my parents raised me right. You know, I just uh, always treated everybody with a handshake and, and uh, you know, uh, more or less all I got out here is my last name. Um, and you, you know, you don't want to tarnish it hey, in the guide world it is so easy. Now we got social media. You have one upset group. You do something that makes somebody upset. They're fixing to release it to the masses. And, you know, whether it be a, an honest mistake or, or whatever, uh, you're fixing to get deemed uh, on that. And, you know, all you can do every day is the right thing. Um, shake hands. You make a promise stick to that promise. Um, you know, but yeah, it, it, you're always good as your last name, Joe, you know? Um, and then also who you run with and who you associate with. Uh, that's another big thing as well. Ira, you've so seen you're that. Running with guys now. I mean, Clay and, and Rory are great people, you know, congrats for that because, uh, I've known Clay for a long, long time. And not only is he a lot of fun, he's a, he's a very high quality individual for sure. Yeah, he's a class act. Clay is. He's actually him and Jimbo um, are actually en route to the farm today. Uh, I think they're going to do some pictures and and whatnot. But uh, absolute class act, Clay. I'm 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 so blessed to uh, work for the Herndon family. Um, I've gotten to know Rory uh, this season. I mean, I'm telling you what, we've had some fun in the duck blind. Um, you know, it's uh, every day I get to call this my job and get to rub elbows with that caliber of people in the industry. Um, and it's, it's just amazing. Um, you know, it's, there are some really good people, um, you, you are one of them, uh, in the industry. Um, and it's a small network, you know, we all know each other and, um, you know, whether I use somebody's equipment or, or, or use something that somebody owns or, or, or reps, um, it's all small. It's a, it's a good network of good folks for sure. Yeah. Hey, Joe, ask me what you're going to ask me. Then I got to go hack some teeth out of the dog's head. I know a Colt's got to go too. I was, I was going on the, uh, small industry i know at habitat flats you've had one or two folks that have tarnished their reputation uh there it's just it is a small world uh yes it is and and whether it's veterinary medicine or 
whatever your business may be. I mean, all it, I just feel like if you treat people fairly and look at things objectively and try to, you know, just treat people like you expect to be treated, leave the money out of it and you'll find your way to success. So. Man, Holt, thank well you. Well said. Hey, thank Joe, you. my pleasure. Ira, good seeing you. Good talking to you guys. Y'all hold it down up there in Missouri. And uh, I hope y'all shoot every single one of them white geese y'all see. Uh, we'll try. I don't think we have to worry about that happening. Uh, man, Holt, have a great rest of the afternoon. Tell Jimbo what's up. Uh, and uh, keep on keeping on. We'll talk with you soon. I appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, hey, Joe, so. my pleasure. Will do. Y'all have a good afternoon. See ya. All right, man. See ya. See ya.